Is it gone? Yep. All right, welcome to the Word Podcast. We're going to do our first ever live stream on our Facebook page, and then you can listen to it any way you listen to our podcast. We record on Anchor. Find us at the Word Podcast there. You can find us on um, Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify. Pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find us. Uh, I'm joined by Tyler Glover, who you've probably heard a few times on the podcast. We always do music and, and TV and movie stuff. And um, we had quite a night watching the Academy Awards tonight. And I'd love to talk about the biggest winners first, but we have to talk about what the biggest story is. And I, I hate, I hate that we have to talk about this. Um, Chris Rock was a presenter tonight. And he was presenting Best Documentary Feature, which ended up going to uh, The Summer of Soul, which was Amir Thompson, better known as Questlove from The Roots documentary of the 1969, I believe, Harlem uh, Soul Festival. And um, Chris Rock made what was a fairly innocuous, harmless joke about Jada Pinkett Smith, Will Smith's wife, and her bald head. Um, it's important to note that Jada Pinkett Smith does have alopecia. I don't know if Chris Rock was aware of that. I don't really know if it matters because it was, again, a fairly harmless joke. Uh, Will Smith took a, well, at first it looked like Will Smith was laughing at the joke, which seemed really weird. And then, uh, you could see Jada Smith, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith roll her eyes on screen. And then they cut back to Chris Rock, who's doing his presenting job. And, uh, all of a sudden Will Smith comes at him and it feels fake. It, the whole thing feels fake at first. And Will Smith slaps him in the face. And it looked to me like a theater punch, a uh, theater slap, like he didn't actually make contact. Uh, but then uh, the uh, Academy Awards was muted for what seemed like an eternity. It was probably less than 20 seconds. And you could see Will Smith yelling, even though you couldn't hear what he was yelling. Now, on other um, broadcasts in other countries, Japan, Australia, you can find uh, footage on Twitter of him actually yelling. And he was yelling, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. And... Um, so it was pretty intense, and it turns out the slap was very real. Uh, Chris Rock uh, had kind of teary eyes, as you would if you got hit in the face, uh, as anybody would. And uh, he kind of looked dazed through the rest of it, especially during uh, Questlove's uh, acceptance speech. And it was pretty much what everybody's been talking about since that happened. It probably happened a little after 9 o'clock Central Time. And it really put a damper on and basically ruined the last third of the Oscars tonight, which is the important third if you are if you consider the acting awards, best director, best picture, the most important part, as most people do. So it really ruined uh, uh, the last hour of the show, and we kind of want to talk about that. And frankly, I'm pissed off at Will Smith uh, for mostly ruining the end of, of Hollywood's biggest night, film's biggest night of the year. But um, also it was just an asshole thing to do. It was, a, it was I, I never knew Will Smith had some Kanye West in him, uh, but he certainly does. And um, I don't know. I don't really know what to say. I've always liked Will Smith. It seemed very un-Will Smith-like. Um, if this was any other place, if this was Chris Rock doing a comedy show and he made a joke about somebody's wife in the audience and somebody came up and punched him, they would be leaving that 
theater in handcuffs. And the fact that Will Smith is an A-list celebrity means he can probably get away with it. Now, we don't know if Chris Rock's going to do anything about it. He could, I guess, uh, press charges. Very unlikely to happen. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I just really feel bad about what happened there and how it ruined the show. Tyler, do, what do you want to add to it? Well, it just it, it just felt very... It was just very shocking because it didn't, it, I mean, it was a joke that even I was like, ha ha, at and didn't think anything about. And it was the kind of joke that most people wouldn't think anything about right after it was said. So that was what made it even more shocking at his reaction to go for him. You know, it definitely was not the kind of joke that like Ricky Gervais would make at the, his three years. Yeah, it wasn't a hard blows. biting joke. So, and his, his jokes, now I could understand more more along why people would want to go for him and they didn't. So I, I don't know. It just didn't feel like the kind of, didn't feel like, I guess, biting enough to warrant that. And even if it was, I'd still think that, you know, that wouldn't have been the right way to handle it. It was just an episode of toxic masculinity on the stage at the Oscars. And there was so much talk about love some of it coming hypocritically from Will Smith during his Best Actor acceptance speech. As many assumed he would win Best Actor for King Richard, he did. And and what really pissed me off, I, I, I didn't think I would ever scream at my television while watching an Oscars acceptance speech. I was so livid by Will Smith's acceptance speech where he, he apologized to the Academy for what he did, but he did not take uh, – he didn't seem sorry about what he did. And of course it was probably 30 minutes or so after it happened, but he basically, he and, and something Denzel Washington in the audience told him, they basically were referring to, uh, Chris Rock as the devil for making fun of people, which is something comedians have done as long as there's been stand up comedy. We all know that's Chris Rock's thing. We generally love Chris Rock for it. Uh, I generally love Chris Rock at this moment for being able to take a slap like a man and not react to it. Uh, he was a much bigger man tonight than Will Smith was and likely just is in general or ever will be. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about this. So I guess it's time to just get into the actual awards. Uh, we'll start with the biggest one of the night. Uh, maybe somewhat of a surprise, uh, but lately Coda, which is you can see on Apple TV+, Plus, uh, directed by Sean Heater. Uh, it's about a family in, in Massachusetts. Uh, three of the four family members are deaf, the mom, the dad, the older brother, and they run a fishing business, and they're greatly helped out in this fi uh, fishing uh, business by their daughter, who is the child of deaf adults, but she can speak and hear, and uh, she really does all the communications for the job. It's a lovely movie. It's the kind of movie that doesn't really win Best Picture at the Oscars anymore. Uh, usually more serious fare, uh, and, and usually like brooding uh, pictures, dramas win. And Coda's even somewhat. It's it's a heartwarming drama, but also has really funny moments in it. And uh, I am thrilled for it to win. It's probably my favorite Best Picture win in, in more than a decade. I know you were really hoping it would it would win this award too. So what do you have to say about that winning? Yes. And how, how shocked were you that it actually beat The Power of the Dog? Well, you, after after it won SAG, you know, I saw that the, there was some momentum. And then, but you know, SAG hasn't always been in line with Best Picture at the mm -hmm. Oscars. So... You know, that wasn't necessarily a sign, but then, you know, at the producer, when it went shockingly, one of the producers guild over Power of the Dog, the momentum definitely seemed to be swinging that way. 
I went into the night feeling pretty hopeful that it was Coda was going to happen that Coda won, but I still kind of in the back of my mind was like, let's see if the power of the dog really has the power. So, you know, but, and we, honestly, it really didn't with only winning one for the evening um, for Best Director out of 12 nominations. So it definitely didn't have the power that they thought it had, but I'm glad, I'm glad Coda was definitely one of my favorite movies of the year. And it's, you know, it was definitely something, it was an underdog that we were all rooting. I think a lot, everybody that's seen it was definitely rooting for it to win. And I'm so glad it did. It definitely will be one of my favorite wins as well. I want to point out recent years. I want to point out. I want to get to what you said about twelve nominations, only winning one for the Power Dog, which is pretty shocking. Uh, but I also want to point out that within the span of thirty seconds, she used two Power of the Dog puns. And if you do that again, I'm going to kick you out of my house. Um, <laughs> twelve nominations, the most nominated movie, one win for Best Director. How strange is that? Uh, sure, I think the most nominations ever for a movie that didn't win is 11, so it almost broke that record tonight. Uh, Jane Campion was suspected, expected to win Best Director. She is only the third female director to ever win Best Director at the Oscars. It's the second year in a row after Chloe Zhao won last year for directing Nomadland, which went on to win Best Picture. Um but yeah, it's a shock that she was the only winner when it was nominated in just about every category. Uh, what do you have to say about that? Well, I think, honestly, it just makes me feel like it was kind of, you know, I feel like it just kind of was a longer Oscar season, and I feel like there might have been some fatigue on it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think that that helped their create a shift, you know, from Power of the Dog to Coda. Um, I definitely didn't feel, I definitely felt like if it was going to win something tonight, this was going to be the category it would win because, you know, leading up into the precursors, it had won. I mean, there had not been another director win anything that was of real importance. So, I mean, she won DGA, Critics' Choice, Golden Globe, everything leading up to it. So it would, I, I don't even know who the alternative would have been, honestly. Um, it would have, it would have been a genuine shock if anybody else. Yeah. Um, the biggest alternative probably would have been, uh, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast. Uh, Belfast won, uh, one award, I believe. Uh, and it was, uh, best original screenplay by Kenneth Branagh. Uh, he had been nominated, I believe for eight Oscars in his career. And this is his first win. So it's nice for him to get off the schneid there, uh, with an Oscar win, um, you haven't seen Belfast yet, so we're not going to talk too much about it. It's a great uh, movie, uh, somewhat based on Branagh's uh, childhood in Ireland during the Troubles. Um, best uh, adapted screenplay was uh, Coda, uh, Sean Heater, and she adapted it from a French movie a few years ago. And uh, that was the point during the night where I started to believe Coda might actually win Best Picture because she was up against Jane Campion, who adapted um, The Power of the Dog from a, from a novel in the 1960s. And uh, at that point, that's when I thought, well, maybe Coda is the favorite with the Oscar voters. Um, did you also kind of have that idea? Yes, well, and, you know, it, it was just important. It's like, you know, I know Dune was the winning pretty much we everything are, tonight. We are turning into a – sorry. We're turning into a Godzilla flick um, <laughs> with with Simba, my cat, uh, jumping up on the table. It is, it is a Japanese horror flick with our giant cat up here. Hi, buddy. So anyway, back to uh, uh, Sean Heater winning Best Adapted Screenplay for uh, CODA and your thoughts on if that swayed your opinion of, of what might happen later on. Yeah, well, it, you know, with CODA... Simba, you're in my shot! <laughs> with CODA only having, you know, three nominations, you know, 
it at the Oscars. It was definitely like telling when it was able to beat um, Power of the Dog in adapted screenplay because, you know, it only had that was the only other time it would go against Power of the Dog, yeah. um, other than at the Best Supporting Actor, which it had already won by the, that point in the evening. So it just, but so far we had two times where it went up against Power of the Dog and won, and, and there was only one award left. So when it definitely felt like that was going to happen after it won a screenplay. I am loving, uh, Simba, your butthole was right in the shot for like 30 seconds. I'm loving that the cat is in our shot because the internet loves cats. And I, unfortunately, those who are listening to the podcast won't be able to see it. But those watching the live stream we're doing on Facebook, our very first one ever, are going to love Simba. Maybe not his butthole, but they're going to love Simba's appearance. Um, best actor was Will Smith for King Richard. I don't feel like talking anymore about Will Smith. Uh, except I will say I was upset by the reaction he got from the Oscars crew crowd uh it really seemed like the people in the room felt like will smith was in the right for what he did violence is never the answer which is what they were freaking talking about most of the night with ukraine but will smith slugs the guy on live tv and all of a sudden they change their fucking tune uh what do you have to say about the crowd's reaction to will smith or if you want to talk about him winning best uh, actor well the only thing i want to say is that it just honestly when you watch it even when he won you know, it definitely seemed like there was a mixed reaction of, like, some people applauding, some people, like, I mean, you could tell, like, it, there were some shots of people kind of looking like, I don't know if I should stand up here or if I should clap. I mean, just genuine awkwardness, you know, of not really knowing, you know, so, I mean, you know, so I definitely don't feel like everybody, you know, I mean, I feel like, honestly, I'm not sure, but, you know, I think I think there's going to be a real divide on this, honestly. One of your favorite wins of the night was Best Actress. It went to Jessica Chastain for her performance in the eyes of Tammy Faye, uh, playing Tammy Faye Baker. Uh, it's, I think it's the only winner of the entire night other than international uh, feature film in the documentary that I didn't see. So I'm pretty much going to let you take this one. Uh, she's been at it for a long time and finally won. So is this the right role for a winning? Because a lot of people say that this is probably an amalgamation of all of what she's done in the past and, and awarding her for a career rather than her performance. But what do you, what do you have to say? I know you really enjoyed her performance. Yes. Yes. I really did. And honestly, I feel like this is the right role, uh, honestly, because, um, you know, I feel like the closest she came before was zero dark 30. Um, she really didn't stand a chance for the help. Um, cause Octavia Spencer was going to win that one. So, I mean, this was, you know, out of all of her nominations so far, this was, and honestly, this was my favorite role of hers. It just, it was played to her strengths. Um, you know, like it was, it kind of, her, the character kind of reminded me a little bit of her character in the help. Um, so honestly, yeah, I just, I feel like it was the right role for her. And it was, I mean, she even had a great scene that I absolutely love where, um, you know, they're, she's sitting in a room full of people and they're, you know, talking about how God has, a, you know, an agenda against the homosexuals. And she's like, oh, who is he fighting? You know, and that scene to me is like the money scene. And I, I feel like it's just, you know, it definitely showed, you know, you always want that one moment. And I feel like that was her one moment where she really sealed the deal. But just fantastic performance. And, it's, and I will say, speaking of a longer race, you know, at... Or towards the beginning of the race, you know, I followed Gold Derby for uh-huh. months, and she was number four and number five yeah. uh, earlier for, on for the year, a while, and went to one. Yeah, for a while, one. Nicole Kidman was the favorite, and then everybody actually watched Being the Ricardos and realized it wasn't that good of a movie. Um, I think my wife, who's recording, just flipped me off. She really liked that movie. Uh, Simba, why are you always in my shot and never in Tyler's shot? <laughs> Simba. 
Okay. Um, the power of the cat. The power of the cat. <laughs> that would be a... That, I like the power of the dog, but that actually may be a better movie. Um, Jessica Chastain's acceptance speech was probably one of the better ones of the night. I was on Twitter uh, bitching about Will Smith, so I didn't really hear all of it. But I know you were... Um, Locked to the television screen. So, what do you have to? What do you think about her acceptance speech? Absolutely. Well, I, you know, I, you know, she. It really was just the kind of acceptance speech, honestly, that I feel like Tammy Faye Baker would have given, which made it even more, you know, exciting and captivating. Honestly, you know, to speak out to people who feel different, and and honestly, I was in tears towards the end of it because you know, we there are a lot of people, and she also talked about suicide and how suicide you know, has even affected her family and how she hates that people don't feel like they can love who they love. And, you know, it's just, you know, it just had me in tears by the end of it. You know, it just to see that she really, this is a cause that, and it shows the passion for this project that she had as well. You know, that she really was in it and she, you know, this was, she was all in 100% with this. And I, that just made it even more touching to see that speech from her. Best Supporting Actor went to Troy Kotzer for his performance in CODA. Uh, of the four acting wins tonight, this was my favorite performance. Um, he was amazing. He becomes the first deaf actor in Oscar history to win the award for uh, an acting, uh, uh, one of the male awards. Uh, Marley Matlin, who is his wife, plays his wife in CODA, was the first uh, deaf actress to ever win an Oscar back in the 80s for Children of a Lesser God. Um I absolutely love Troy Kotzer. I thought he was the funniest part of Coda. He was maybe the most heartwarming part mm -hmm, of Coda. Absolutely. He's just plays the kind of father figure that you love to see in, in both cinema and in real life. Uh, so speak speak a little bit about Troy Kotzer's win and his acceptance speech. Yes, well, I have to say, like, the... I, I, you know, I know that the momentum at first in this race was for Cody Schmidt-McPhee. He even won the Globe. Um, and and I he was, was really good. In and he was too. great. I, I was just really excited because I personally liked Troy Kotzer's performance better. So I was really excited to see the shift. And, you know, I actually just rewatched this movie a couple of days ago in preparation for the Oscars and my excitement. And, you know, that that scene, like you said, he's so funny. But like at the end of the movie, I'm just in tears, like when seeing the connection between him and his daughter just it just absolutely breaks my heart. And it just shows, you know, and I think it's great to see roles on in movies that show, you know, guys that, you know, are a little more macho because he was very kind of a macho guy. You know, he was fisherman tough, you know, mm -hmm. but you see his vulnerable sides. And I think that that's really important that everybody sees that and you know because we're you know like we saw with masculinity and that it's all about being tough right you know yeah. and so we don't talk about jada no no no, no. We, we don't, don't talk, talk about, about jada. jada um best supporting actress uh, Ariana DeBose for West Side Story. And again, you're going to have to talk about this one. I have not seen West Side Story because I have not seen the original that won Best Picture in the early 60s because I am not the big film buff that I claim to be. So Ariana DeBose, uh, Best Supporting Actress for West Side Story. It is some history, though. She's the first to ever win an Oscar uh, for a, uh, a remake that previously won an Oscar as Rita Moreno won Best Supporting Actress in the early 60s. So, so talk about Ariana DeBose. And her acceptance speech. There were a lot of good acceptance oh, speeches tonight. Oh, yes, there were some great ones tonight. Um, you know, with Ariana DeBose, I was actually telling April before the ceremony, um, 
that one of the reasons I liked her performance so much is that, you know, you feel like sometimes when, you know, you have these breakout stars, sometimes you kind of feel, I don't know, sometimes you feel kind of hesitancy, you know, even when they're breaking out, you know, you feel kind of, she just, I mean, she just, I mean, she went in that movie just showing, this is, I'm going to show you that I can dance, I'm going to show you that I can act, I'm going to show you that I'm a spitfire, you know, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you that I'm a triple threat, I'm going to show you, I mean, like, and she just goes into it full blast, and, you know, that it was just so exciting to watch it every time and she it is a supporting role and it is like a two and a half hour movie and like i wanted more of her in the movie and that really goes to show you know just the power of her performance and how much she left electrified the screen in fact it kind of, the energy kind of went down in my opinion when she wasn't on the screen so that's really is a testament to how amazing she was and i also really liked um her acceptance speech as well, which, you know, she, um, I think she, she was the first Afro, um, queer. Afro-Latin queer, Afro -Latin, queer female. Afro-Latin queer, yeah, to win. And her speech was very, very touching too. Um, you know, talking about how, you know, if you feel, you know, the gray area, if you feel like you're in the gray area, knowing that there's a place for you. I thought that was really touching. And I really do like, I know that, I know that a lot of people in the world, you know, people that don't follow this as much, you know, get on, you know, feel like stars, you know, shouldn't you, don't get political, you know, don't say all these things, you know, like, you act like you don't really care about these things. But, you know, it's really nice to see them do something like this because, you know, what people are not understanding is that there are people out there that they may not be those people, but there are people out there that are hurting, that are struggling, that when they see people win something like that and have this momentous occasion in their life, they get to hear that they got through that. They, they went through this, those same things they got there. And, it's, and it gives us all a sense of hope. And if we don't have hope in this world, what do we have? If you're speaking from your life experience, it is not political. And if anybody thinks it is, that's their own problem. And they don't have to watch. Absolutely. Um, they politicize too many things, yes. honestly. Uh, Dune actually won the most um, Oscars during the night. Although five of them were given away in the, the kind of pre before the show, which they edited into the show, which I have to say, I was really irritated about going in. It, it went better than I thought it would be. Maybe this is why you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. It, it flowed better throughout the show than I thought it would, but I still don't like the fact that they edited it a bit and they have the ability to cut things out, uh, which you wouldn't live. Um, Dune won Best Visual Effects. It won Best Sound, Best Original Score for Hans Zimmer. It won uh, Best Cinematography for Greg Fraser, Best Film Editing, and Best Production Design. I think that was all six. Um, it was a really good film. It's the kind of film that wins the, the special effects and the kind of uh, production awards. Probably not the kind of film uh, you would see win any of the bigger awards. Uh, in fact, of all the ones that uh, it would, was even eligible for, uh, the only one it was nominated for was, I believe, Best Picture. Uh, what, what do you have to say about Dune winning the most overall Oscars? Well, I will say, I mean, it really was a, a pretty great te technical achievement. So it, it definitely doesn't shock me that it won the most when it comes to technic the technical aspects of film. Absolutely, I, I definitely can understand it. I do. I, I will say, uh, from a personal preference, I do think that some of them were overboard because I, I don't. I, the one that really bothers me is the production design. I just, to me, the production design just wasn't on the level of Nightmare Alley, even or some yeah, of the I other Yeah, I can ones. agree with that. So I just that's the one I, I can pretty much get on board with all of them except production design. I I don't understand that one. 
I would have liked for Ari Wagner to win Best Cinematography for The Power of the Dog, which would have given it a second award uh, instead of having six for Dune. Part of the problem is I don't know what it was really done on camera in Dune and what was added in with effects. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm always Absolutely weird not. about that. I know a lot of people aren't. Uh, but but you could tell The Power of the Dog was done on location. It was pretty much done through through the camera. Um Neither of us have seen the best international film, which was uh, Drive My Car Out of Japan, which was also nominated for Best Picture, which I think is a great thing because we're now seeing more international features uh, in the Best Picture race. And, of course, Parasite actually won it uh, two years ago. Yes. And um, I haven't seen Summer of Soul, which we already mentioned won Best Documentary, even though I really want to I hear great things. And it looks like a documentary being about music history that's right up my alley. So let's go to the last two that we're going to talk about category-wise, and then we'll get to some of the other stuff that happened tonight. Uh, best Animated Feature was Encanto from uh, Disney. Disney wins this more than any other production company, uh, non-surprisingly. Uh, it's the only of the five nominees that I have seen personally, so I don't really have an opinion other than I'm fine with it winning because I liked it. Uh, but I know it's become, uh, as anybody who has children, uh, something of a probably weekly view. And at some, at some point back when it started, it was probably an almost daily view in your household. So what do you think about Encanto winning Best Animated Feature? Oh, yeah. I, I was 100% behind this winning. And, it, you know, one thing that Disney does so well is especially with their soundtracks is you know they find a way to make you know even adults really really care i mean there are times where i am in my car without my kids and i'm listening to we don't talk about bruno and it's requested so many times wouldn't have been there that you would think i would try to avoid that and so you know um so it definitely i mean it's just such a great such a great movie i'm so glad that it won i know that there was a chance there were a couple other contenders that could have possibly won um, the only other two that I had seen in the, in the, in the race was, um, Luca and Rhea and the last dragon, which were both great, but I, I would have definitely given my vote for a contest. I'm really glad it won. Philip Price, who's done the, um, um, the prediction show with us on the podcast last week, his favorite movie, not just in this category, but of the entirety of 2021 was actually Mitchell's versus the machines. So, uh, I, I hear great things about that. You can see that one on Netflix. Uh, let's get to best original song. The winner was Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell for writing no time to die from the James Bond flick. No time to die. The last three James Bond movies have had, uh, songs win best original song at the Oscars. Previously it was Sam Smith, uh, for the movie Spectre, and then uh, Adele before that for the movie Skyfall. And uh, I noticed, I can see the viewers live on our Facebook live stream stream on The Word. Again, won't be able to see it on, on the recording that we're doing for the podcast, but uh, our views are up when the cat is on the table. Can we bring the cat back? No? Okay. Um, what do you think about No Time to Die winning? Of the two songs that had a chance to win, No Time to Die or Dos Orbitos uh, from Encanto, it was my preferred choice. Actually, of the, all the nominees, though, I preferred Van Morrison's Down to Joy from Belfast, but I knew there was no chance it was going to win. Uh, what do you think about No Time to Die beating Dos Orbitos? Well, I mean, I, I like No Time to Die, and I, I think that it did deserve to win. I feel like if Disney wouldn't have botched their submission yeah. and submitted We Don't Talk About Bruno, then I think we don't talk about Bruno would ha- would have and should have one but with that box with their deadlines being November 1st they obviously didn't know just how big of a hit they had on their hands I guess which but a multi-week number one on Billboard and Disney songs do not go to the top of yeah, Billboard it's definitely huge I mean definitely in hindsight a huge box submission and 
definitely would have gotten Lin Manuel Miranda his he EGOT got, status, yeah. and so it was definitely blown a blown opportunity in my opinion. Speaking about just blown opportunities for we don't talk about Bruno, they did four of the five best original song nominees live on the telecast van morrison was on tour in europe he didn't show up he's also an anti-vaxxer uh uh so i don't know if that had anything to do with it i don't know if there was a rule that you had to be vaccinated to be at the the theater tonight but he said it was mostly his tour uh i'll take him for his word um but they ended up doing a performance of we don't talk about bruno anyway since it became massive which i did not like because i think if you're going to do performances it should be the nominated songs and the nominated songs only but especially when you're talking about not going along and cutting uh categories from the show but i do like the song so i was really disappointed when it started out normal and then all of a sudden megan the stallion comes out and i don't remember megan the stallion being among the encanto cast and i believe she was joined by other celebrities maybe one as i i'm not sure if that was one as or not and then somebody else on stage uh, so they just really botched. We don't talk about Bruno, and I think we'd be hearing a lot more talk about this performance if it wasn't for everybody talking about the same thing, which we started the show with now. So I don't think it's going to be as big of a controversy with them uh, just kind of neutering that performance. But what did you think about that? Well, it was just a complete missed opportunity. And in all honesty, even though I didn't really understand why they would not, why they would honestly have it on the telecast considering it wasn't nominated i still was excited about it because i love the song and i do see it as the cultural phenomenon that it really kind of is so i was excited to see the performance and when it started out i'm like okay this looks great you know they got the cast in there they even got the one actress rolling the yellow just like tia peppa does and so i'm just like oh yay this is going to be good and then you know megan Thee stallion comes out and then they start singing about celebrate oscar Instead of like the thing, and the thing of it is, when you have a song like We Don't Talk About Bruno, and you're saying this is the first live performance of this, people are excited to sing along to it. I mean, this is like somebody. I mean, that's like. I mean, imagine how people would feel if like Taylor. And it's the only. It's the only song that they can really sing along to, except for maybe No Time to Die, because it's the only one viewers are going to know the words to. Because because. Sorry, Beyonce, but nobody listens to the song from King Richard. And and sorry, Van Morrison, if you were there. Nobody really knows Down to Joy. Nobody really knows Dos Oruguitos. Or maybe they do, uh, but because it's in a Spanish language, I don't know. Uh, nobody's even seen the movie that the Reba McIntyre performance written by Diane Warren is in. I don't even know where you can find that movie. I don't even remember the name of that movie. Um, but they really just screwed that performance up. Uh, what did you think about Beyonce opening the show? I think, you know, you want a big star opening the show. That makes sense. But it's a song that at best had the third best chance of winning that award. So I, I don't know. I, I, it didn't do much for me. What would you think? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I thought the production was pretty great on it. I mean, like, I loved the the costumes, all everybody in line green on a tennis court. I thought that was pretty great. Um, I felt like it went a little long, honestly. Um, but, I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, honestly, I feel like considering the year, it and the it wouldn't have. I feel like honestly, if they were going to choose a show, something to open the show that would have been kind of exciting and it would have been to start with. We don't talk about Bruno, but actually, that was the rumor. Do and it, I was surprised actually it didn't do we don't talk about Bruno, and uh, um, so in another, my opinion, that's what I would have done. Another thing that bothered me it was it was obviously the one of the performances, uh, the only one of the performances of the entire night that was obviously pre-taped. Oh, yes, it wasn't done in yeah. the theater. So I want to know, did they give Van Morrison that option to do that too? And they could have had all five performances. What do you think about the all the original songs being performed on the show? Because it honestly adds at least 30 minutes to the show that's already ran long. 
they're trying to to shorten the Oscars famously by getting rid of those categories. It ended up being a three hour and forty minute telecast. And I think that's longer than it was last year and probably the last few years at least. Um, I don't know that they need those performances. They do it for the production value. I get it. They think it's the one thing people might tune in to see a Beyonce or a Billie Eilish. They may be right. But what do you think about having that category performed in its entirety or as tonight four of the five? Yeah. Well, see, and like in the years past, it you know, it, it didn't bother me. And I actually, you know, I did like it. Sometimes I heard performances sung all the way through that I really honestly didn't hear before. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, if, you know, tonight if they would have quit celebrating the 28th anniversary of stuff, you know, you know that might have helped on time, you know, too. So, I mean, you know, so. <laughs> they were trying to make, the theme of the, of the Oscars this year was movie lovers unite. No shit, it's the Oscars. If, if you don't love movies, you're not watching the Oscars. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to get people who don't watch the Oscars because they're casual movie viewers and not really movie lovers. And they did a few things, and one of them was anniversaries. It made perfect sense to do the 50th anniversary of The Godfather by having Francis Ford Coppola, uh, Robert De Niro, and... Um, was it Al Pacino? This was after the this was after the Will Smith stuff. I, I'm hazy on it on what happened the last hour. Uh, that made sense because a lot of people consider that the greatest movie of all time. Liza Minnelli came out and did uh, Best Picture uh, 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 presenting with Lady Gaga, uh, who of course is only there because she's Lady Gaga and they're wanting people to tune in to see Lady Gaga. Uh, that was a cabaret anniversary. Fifty years makes perfect sense. Uh, Cabaret has actually won, holds Oscar history by winning eight Oscars, the most ever for a movie that did not win Best Picture because it was beaten out by The Godfather. Uh, White Men Can't Jump, 30th anniversary, that makes no sense. It's a good movie. I like that movie. It's not something that people are clamoring for. The 28th anniversary of Pulp Fiction was asinine. Pulp Fiction, hugely popular. Many people think it should have beaten Forrest Gump for Best Picture in 1994, but 28th anniversary is not a thing. 25th anniversary is a thing. 30th anniversary is a thing. 28th is not a thing. I, I don't get that at all. Uh, what did you think about that? Yeah, that that to me was just where really – I mean like it, like even the 60 years of Bond thing I understood. But Yeah, that made you sense. Know, um, you know, so I mean I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes they're just trying to do so much – when, you know, the people that really watch the Oscars are the people that do want to see a lot of the awards, mm-hmm. in, in all honesty. I mean... You're not watching so. the Oscars if you didn't watch the films that are nominated. There's no point to it. It's a waste mm-hmm. of your night. Uh, so they're not going to get viewers by having fan-voted stuff, having stuff like that and having fan-voted stuff where fans pick that the, their favorite movie of the year was Army of the Dead, a zombie movie starring Dave Bautista in the lead on Netflix. Nobody that does not belong at the Oscars. The best cheerworthy moment was something from Zack Snyder's uh Justice League uh about the Flash entering Speed Force. I don't know what that is. Uh but but that one cheerworthy moment and Army of the Dead which is directed by Zack Snyder as well won won the best film of the year. I I think what we had what we saw was Zack Snyder stands um, just outvoted everybody else. There was a movie in the be- top five best movies of the year that I've never even heard of. I can't. I can't it, it, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Minamata or something. Like, yeah. What is that? <laughs> uh, 
don't let fans vote for important things. Of course, these aren't really important things, but save it don't, for the People's don't, Choice Awards. Yeah, save it for the People's Choice Awards. <laughs> don't waste our time. We don't need this. I'd rather see longer acceptance speeches for the best makeup winner or whatever. Uh, I really don't need that, though. Uh, put it in the show. I don't need a long acceptance speech for that. Uh, last thing I want to talk about the host is the first is the return of the host for the first time in a few years. Uh, Amy Schumer, Regina Hall, Wanda Sykes. I thought their opening monologue together was really good. I thought Amy Schumer's um, uh, monologue shortly after that was the best thing of the night. That was so not award-related. I thought uh, Regina Hall's uh, kind of... Uh, uh, dating game thing, pulling the, the, the attractive guys out of the audience for a COVID test uh, was uh, really funny. Wanda Sykes thing at the, at the uh, uh, um, Oscars Museum wasn't as great, but I thought that they did a really good job. I really liked uh, Amy Schumer's thing later on, kind of poking fun at the Will Smith, Chris Rock thing. Um, I'm happy to have the host back. Yes, it prolongs the show. I think it makes it uh, more fun to watch, though. What did you think about uh, the job done by Schumer, uh, Sykes, and Hall? Yeah, actually, it's kind of crazy because our, our our thoughts are really this uh, really similar on that because I definitely thought Schumer's bit was probably the best. I feel like I laughed the longest, the hardest during her bit by herself. I did like their bit together. I did like the, um, you know, pulling all the attractive men up there. That was pretty great. Um, and then the, like you, like you said with the Academy thing, there were some, I felt like there were some things that worked and were funny and some things were just like, oh, you know, you know, not cringeworthy, but still like, okay, you know, but, um, still overall, like I was happy to have hosts back because I, I prefer hosts, honestly. Um, I've, they've done it without hosts, but I prefer to have a host. He's hosted it before. I want to see Chris Rock host the Oscars next year. He deserves it now. Um, before we get off of here, I want to remind you again, you can listen to this podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much where anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can find us online at the wordwebzine.weebly.com where I write stuff, Tyler writes stuff, April Hanson Spivey, my wife, who's recording this, writes stuff not as much as she should. Uh, thank, thank you, April, for recording this because it's gone 40 minutes and you've been holding this phone the whole time. I want to thank Simba for joining us again. Those those. Eyeballs, uh, eyeballs on the screen here. They went up when Simba was on the table, uh, flashing his stuff. Uh, Tyler, I appreciate all the work you do for this podcast and this website. Uh, Thank you. So uh, I'm just really happy that we get to talk about this. I wanted it to be a better night than it was. The Oscars did the, their job because the the award winners tonight were the best that I've ever seen. All that means, though, is they were the ones that I mostly wanted to see win. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which doesn't but, happen all, very often. But it's a dark night, and tomorrow, tomorrow when we should be talking about Coda, and we should be talking about Jane Campion, and Ariana DeBose, and Troy Kotzer, and Jessica Chastain, and Questlove, and, and, and Ryosuke Hamaguchi, and uh, Encanto, and we should be talking about the great performance that Will Smith did after a long career, but we're not going to be talking about any of that shit because of... of uh, Will Smith, and that's just a, a damn shame. Uh, so once again, thanks for listening to us. It's We've gone almost 40 minutes now. It's 1130 in the Central. It's past midnight in the East. Thanks for watching us on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and y'all have a great night.